Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Excellent job in the three-week series. And I just want to say we're so fortunate to have a good ministry. I don't want this to sound self-serving. How do I back out of this? We're, we're blessed at Life Church to be able to hear the Word of God and to enjoy it and to be able to have it be applicable to our lives. Thank you, Pastor Pave. You did a great job, and uh, we're grateful. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. I'm going to read it out of two different versions this morning. First from the New King James, because we're more familiar with this one. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I want to read that same verse again from the New Living Translation. It's a little bit more accurate in, in our understanding of English. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Amen. So I want to preach on this subject today, foundations of fathering. Foundations of fathering. Lord, we're grateful to be in your house. We're grateful to hear your word. I just pray that you'll speak to us today. Help me to deliver this thought. Help every man and woman to absorb it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let me just say this. I haven't said this in a while. I want to encourage you. Make it part of your discipline when you go to church. Every Sunday, just ask the Lord, say, God, I want you to speak to me today in the message, no matter what it is. Here's what I know. If you ask God to speak to you through his word, there will be something or maybe a multitude of somethings that is said that will impact your spirit and can make you a better person. Amen? So if you haven't done that right now, just ask the Lord. Say, God, I want you to speak to me today. I want you to show me what you want me to do. And I want you to show me what area of my life I need to work on. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's that simple. Now have your spiritual ears open. Amen. So welcome today, all you dads. We're glad you're here. We're glad that... uh, We are able to celebrate you for being who you are, for loving your children, and for raising them in the best way that you know how. I hope every dad gets loved on today, gets celebrated, Uh, and if you have a father who's still living, I want to encourage you to give him a call and tell him that you love him, amen? If you don't feel comfortable telling him that you love him, call and just say, Happy Father's Day, (laughs) because he brought you into this world, amen? And uh, and last year, I told you to call your dad and tell him that you love him and say Happy Father's Day. And I went home, and I did that. Now, today, I can't do that. I just lost my dad a month ago. So let me reiterate it. If your dad is still alive, make sure you take the time to call him and tell him that you love him. Amen? So today, I want to encourage you, and I hope to equip you just a little bit more as a dad or maybe even as a mom You can also learn from these principles today that I want to share. I want to share with you five foundations of fathering that I think hopefully will help you train up or bring out the best in your children. And Pastor Pavey did such a good job teaching these last three weeks, I feel like he set the bar real high for me. So I'm going to have to jump real high. I wore my tippy-toe shoes today so I can reach up there, Rodney. All right, obviously there are many more. I could give you 100 principles and I could do a summer series until Labor Day. But we're just going to pick five today, so let's jump right in. First of all, here's your first foundation. Number one, you need to accept your children's uniqueness. Accept their uniqueness. Everybody say, accept their uniqueness. If you're going to help bring out the best in your children, or frankly, anybody that you are influencing, you got to first accept their uniqueness. This is a starting point. You need to recognize and value their individuality, their uniqueness as a person, their uniqueness as a child. you got to start accepting them before you can help them grow. Now, every child, every person is unique in their own way. Everybody is different. Everybody is special. And I want to point 
uh, out this one, this first point about their uniqueness by digging into our text verse here just a little bit today. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 is probably one of the most quoted but also most misunderstood verses in all the Bible. It's an important verse, so I want us to look at it. It says, and it's very famous when it comes to parenting. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I might be getting ready to say something that you've never heard today, so don't be offended by it. And I want you to hang in here with me as I explain it. A lot of people think that this verse means if I raise my kid in a godly way, if I train them in the right way, then when they get old, they're going to really live for God. They're never going to turn away from God. This is a guarantee that it's going to happen. Unfortunately, I've got some bad news for you. That just is not true. Can all the church say amen? Because you know and I know all kinds of examples where that is not true. I know a lot of kids that have been raised in good, godly homes. And somewhere along the way, they took a turn that messed up their lives. Now, my family, we were not always in church growing up. But I can tell you, I know one kid who happens to be talking to you right now who had a lot of good virtues put in him and a lot of good things taught to him, and I went my own way. I did some wrong things. There's a couple of things in this verse about parenting that we do need to understand. Here it is. First of all, Proverbs 22 and 6 is a proverb. It is not a promise. Okay? It's a proverb. It's not a promise. It's in the book of Proverbs, not the book of promises. God does not promise that if you raise up a child in the right way, that they're never going to turn away from it. So what's a proverb? See, a proverb is a generalization. It's a generalization about life. It's a truth that is generally true. It's a wise saying. It's a perspective. But it doesn't mean, hear me, that there are not some exceptions to that rule. There are always exceptions. Now, generally, a proverb is true. If you raise your kid in the right way, most of them are going to turn out in the right way, or they're going to at least come back to the right way. That was my case. But there are exceptions. It's not a guarantee, but that doesn't change, hear me, the requirement for us to do our best as parents. Did you catch that? It's not a guarantee, so that doesn't mean if your kids mess up that you just throw in the towel and say, well, I gave it my best shot. I'm done. No, no, no you got to remember that it's something we strive for, we pray for, but it's not a promise. And the second thing you need to understand about Proverbs 22 and 6 is the original Hebrew phrase, in the way he should go. Now, the Bible is divided into two parts. Let me just real quickly tell you something most of you already know. The Old Testament before Jesus and the New Testament after Jesus. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. So you need to understand the book of Proverbs was written in Hebrew and what that phrase, in the way he should go, means. Amen? Now, the phrase, in the way he should go, is the Hebrew idiom that literally means according to his way. Understand. you got to raise them up according to his or her way. Now, what does that mean? It means three things. I'm going to tell you what the three are, and then I'm going to elaborate on them. First of all, it means you've got to train them up according to the stage of life that they're in right now. Secondly, it means you've got to train them up according to what their personal strengths are. And third, it means you've got to train them up according to the person that God has made them to be. Amen. Now, let me explain these. First, it means train your child up in the stage of life that they are in. Now, what does that mean? It's real simple. You don't treat a preschooler like an elementary school student. Somebody get that man a cough drop. (laughs) Love you, Robert. I'm just messing with him. You don't treat a second grader like a teenager. Amen? You don't treat a teenager like an adult. You treat them in the season of life that they are in. We've got to understand each stage of life that's appropriate and there's a way to train our kids to teach them and to help them to respond accordingly. Amen. Our kids are growing up way too fast these days. I think everybody would agree. Hello, is the church out there? Somebody say amen. Just give me a good nod to let me know you're still awake. Amen. 
See, there are ideas out there about life, about sin, about sexuality, about all kinds of things that our kids don't need to know before they need to know it. Amen? Our children don't need to be exposed to all the crime and all the perversions and all the weird stuff that's going on in this world. If you're going to train your kids up in the way they should go, you got to understand the different stages of life that they're going through. And hear me, don't rush it. Do everything you can to slow it down when they are small. Let them be children. Everything in society is forcing them to grow up too quick. Everything in society is forcing our kids to act older, hear me, before they're emotionally ready to handle it. Amen. Thank you. Now, we as parents, we have to protect them in the stage that they are in. Secondly, training them up in the way they should go means train them up according to his or her strengths. That means you need to know what your kids are good at. You need to help them develop those strengths. And can I just tell you, Robin was way better at identifying this early on than I was. Maybe it's just a mother thing. But she was really able to dial in real quickly to what Lauren's strengths and weaknesses were, what Lindsay's strengths and weaknesses were, even quicker than I was. But part of the job of parenting is to discern in your children their capabilities and their strengths. What has God gifted them to be? Your job as a parent is to train them in the way they should go. Or in other words, if they're good at math, help them to go in that direction. Matter of fact, help them to help me because I'm not good at math. (laughs) If they're good at music, you help them go in that direction. If they're good at accounting or art or anything, if they're good with their hands, help them toward that. And and, and please don't be offended by this next point, but not in the direction that you want them to go. Train them in the way that they should go. I I, I mean, all of you have seen it. The dad out on the Little League thing, screaming at the top of his lungs at his kid because he got a third strike and he didn't make a base hit. He's trying to live out his, uh, his athletic life that he never got through his kid. I know somebody whose kid is playing sports right now, and they told someone they're only doing it because their dad wants them to do it. Train them in the way that they should go. Amen? And and accept their uniqueness and train them in the way God has shaped them to go. See, part of parenting means you got to figure out what your children are good at and let them go in that direction rather than forcing them in the direction that you would like them to go. So train them up in the way you should go means understand the stage of life and treat them accordingly. Understand their strengths and treat them accordingly. The third thing is you got to understand their person. Or in other words, their personality, their style, their temperament. Uh, Understand who they are. Here's what I know. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to turn an introvert into an extrovert. You're not going to turn an extrovert into an introvert. You know why? God wired them that way. Amen. Understand who they are and that God made them that way for a reason and for a purpose. And it's normal for all of us as parents to want to train all of our kids in the same way. And guess what? Everybody thinks they're going to train their kids in the same way until you know what happens? They have child number two. (laughs) Until they have child number two. Everybody is a parenting expert until they have a kid, number one. You don't know what you're talking about if you don't have a kid. And everybody thinks they can raise their kids the same way until they have kid number two. Does everybody know that's the truth? There is nobody probably more self-righteous than somebody who has one kid and they won the lottery and that kid is perfect. Because you know what? You think it was your great parenting. You think you did everything right, and maybe you did, but the reality is your kid was wired that way. So let me, you know, let me prove what I'm talking about. Everybody's different. Let me take a survey. How many of you grew up with a brother or sister? Just raise your hands. How many of you would raise your hand again and say that you guys are very different from each other? Same house, same parents, same basic upbringing, right? Totally different. Totally different. 
totally different. I have two brothers. I have one sister. We're all very different from each other. Amen. There's things in our life that are similar, and then there's things that we are just totally opposite. And just because you're raised in the same family doesn't mean you're all the same kind of people. You're not. My two daughters are, are very different from each other in a lot of ways, and they're very similar in a lot of ways. And it took us a while to figure that out. Some kids come out of the womb saying mama and blowing kisses and painting flowers and loving on puppy dogs. Other kids come out of the womb with a cigar in their mouth and mama tattooed on their arm. <laughs> I mean, it just happens. I was like, what in the world? Is this my child? Uh, we need to have a conversation because this child is not like this other child. I mean, it just happens. Everyone, can all the parents say amen? Can all the parents with more than one child? Just don't be afraid. They're not. I mean, just go ahead and lift your hand. It's okay. <laughs> Guess what? That doesn't have anything to do with your parenting skills. It's a matter of genetics. Train up a child in the way he should go. Understand their stage of life, their strengths, and what it means to understand uh, their temperament and their personality. Here's what the Amplified version of that verse says, and it might make more sense to you. Here it is. Train up a child in keeping with his individual gifts or bent. Train up a child consistent with those things. It means don't force them into your mold. God intentionally made everybody in this world different. And guess what? We only need one of you. Turn to your neighbor and say, we really only need one of you. <laughs> we really only need one of you. And thank God there's only one of you. No, no, no. You know, the world only needs one of me. They don't need two of me. Amen. And they only need one of you. And that's why God made all of us different. And one of the great tasks of parenting is to help your kids recognize their uniqueness. And guess what? Not only do you need to accept it, you need to help them recognize their uniqueness. Because you know why? Kids are always playing the comparison game. With their siblings, with their cousins, with their uh, classmates, schoolmates, however you like to term it. Kids, they are all originals. Now hear me, let me just say this as a qualifier. That doesn't mean that we don't push them to be their best. But you need to push them to be the best version of who God designed them to be. Amen. Amen. Moms, if you're listening, you can get a lot out of this today too. They don't need to compare themselves with anybody else. They're not in comp competition with anybody else. That is a fundamental truth that you have to teach to your children. We're all different. How can you tell as a parent when you've accepted your child's uniqueness? Are you ready? It's real simple. Here it is. When you stop trying to make them like you. Let that sink in for a minute. Hallelujah. When you stop trying to make them like you. You stop trying to mold them into your image and you start letting them become what God made them to be. I love what Rick Warren said. Here's a quote by Rick Warren. He said, kids are not clay to be molded. They're human beings to be unfolded. Guys, our kids are not our clay just to mold them and make them into what we want them to be. That was God's privilege when he made us, right? That was God's privilege. Our kids are to be unfolded, and we're to help them become the best version of who God made them to be. God chose the DNA. He put it together in a way that He chose. He chose what their dominant genes would be, their recessive genes would be. God knew exactly what He wanted when He made them in His image. He intentionally put them in your family. And He knows what He's doing. So we got to accept their uniqueness. Amen. Now, I promise I'll go more quickly on these last four. Number two. A foundation of Father, we've got to affirm their value. Everybody say affirm their value. Now why is this so important? I'll tell you why. Because everybody is starving for affirmation and they're going to get it in a healthy way or they're going to get it in an unhealthy way. We all go after it in many, many different forms. We don't want to admit it, but guess what? I'm 52 years old. I still need affirmation. I do. 
all of y'all can tell me I did a great job today and I hope I do a good job today. But if my wife doesn't say anything, what a heavy cross to bear. I, I, I wonder, because the most important person in my world, I want to know what they thought about what I did. Man, that's kind of weak. Yep, it sure is. That's how we're all wired. We're wired to need affirmation. You need affirmation on your job. You like to hear your boss say, good job. You like to hear him say, good job, and reflect it with a pay raise. You like to hear the people at school, your teacher. Come on, somebody. We all want affirmation, amen. Ladies, if you cook a good meal and your family waddles up to the table and gobbles it down and doesn't say thank you or say how good it is, you know what? You're tempted to put arsenic in the next plate. How dare you gobble this down? This ain't McDonald's. <laughs> you know, you're not staying at the Holiday Inn. What do you think this is, Holiday Inn? No, 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 no. We want affirmation, and your kids need affirmation. Now, hear me. I know on Father's Day, Day we realize that some of us didn't grow up with perfect parents, okay? Not everybody in here. You're not only just a parent, you're also a child. I get that. And because of that, sometimes we wonder about our value. I grew up with two parents, and, my, and I'm thankful for that, by the way, because not everybody gets that these days. I grew up with two parents, and my mom was, and she still is, the one who excelled in physical touch and in affirming our value. I mean, my mom's over the top with it. I love you. Kiss you goodbye. And then you walk through the door and you go to your car and here she comes running. I need to kiss you goodbye one more time. I mean, she's been that way her entire life, always affirming us. And I had a great dad who I lost a month ago. But if I can just be real transparent, my dad struggled in that area. My dad was not... And I say this with all due respect. He was not an affirming father. And there were times I craved his words. Can I just be so transparent as to say, even as an adult, as a pastor, there were times I wished I could hear my dad say, I'm proud of you. Now, you know what? He told everybody else. I've had so many people come to me. Your dad talks about your church and how you pastor a huge church. I said, our church isn't huge. Your dad talks about you doing this and you doing that. And, and you know what? I don't think I've ever said this publicly. I wish he would have told that to me. You want to know why I'm saying this right now? Dad, it's not too late for you to be that voice in your child's life. My kids are grown up. It's not too late to call them and say, I'm proud of you. What a great dad you are. What a great provider you are. What a great wife you've turned out to be. What a great mom you are. I'm so proud of you. You're such a good Sunday school teacher. I'm so proud. You're not lazy. You're a hard worker. You're faithful. These are words our children need to hear from us. Fathers, open up your mouth. Open up your heart. Just because they know it doesn't mean they don't need to hear it. And don't make them ask you for it. Because guess what? I never asked my dad for that because if i got to ask him for those words, then what good is it? Your kids need to hear it from you. God values each one of us more than you could possibly imagine. God custom designed you, every one of us, before we were ever born. And God values who you are. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you were formed in my inward parts. You cover me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. Hear me right now, everybody in this house. If you have any doubt about your value, I want to remind you that none of you were born by accident. None of you. God values you. God custom designs you. He had a plan for your life even before you were born. And one way if we affirm the value of our children, I'm going to give you a couple of ways real quick that you can affirm the value of your children. Number one, it's real easy. Pay attention to them. I wasn't always great at this. Matthew 10.30 says that God knows even the number of hairs on our heads. He knows every detail of our lives. God pays attention to us as our Heavenly Father. He appreciates and He notices us. Did you know you can affirm your kids just by noticing them? Just by noticing them? 
just by looking at them, just by making eye contact. Eye contact has incredible power when it comes to expressing and sharing values. Put the phone down and look at them. We used to say put the newspaper down. What's that? Put the newspaper down. Put the phone down. Turn from what you're doing and look at them. You see, we don't really understand the gift that you're giving your kids just by affirming them and making eye contact with them and loving them. That's one way you appreciate their value, by paying attention. Another way is by showing affection. You hear me say this all the time. I'm going to beat this drum till the day I die. Your kids need physical affection. Dads, they need it from you. This is not just mama's job. They need physical touch. Now, I know that as they get older, they think they don't need it anymore. They act like they don't want it anymore. I get that. I got a 25-year-old. She runs from me. Guess what? I'm determined to be my mom in her life. I am. But you know what? She'll never doubt. She'll never doubt that her dad loved her. My other daughter, who's at a wedding, and they're on their way home today, they'll never doubt it. I still love them. I still hug them. I still kiss them. They go, oh, Dad, your kisses are sloppy. I don't care. Here, come here. <laughs> I give them hugs. I still let them sit in my lap if I can talk them into it. I hug on them. I take them out when I can. We have different seasons of life now, so it's hard. But show them affection. I wasn't raised that way. That's all right. You weren't always saved either. Hallelujah. Amen. You can learn it. You can show it. You can make yourself. I don't, hear me. God, this is so important, guys. Even if it doesn't come naturally to you, everybody can learn to be affectionate. And the way you learn is you start trying it. So here's your project for the week. Give somebody a loving touch to everyone in your family this week. Man, <laughs> did, I, did, I just, did I just tell you to clean out your savings account? Or let, me, let me try that again to people who might know. Give them a loving touch this week and the church say amen. <laughs> See, I don't know why we as men struggle with this, but we shouldn't. You might be thinking, well, my dad never did this for me. Well, guess what? My dad never did it for me. My mom did, and that also made me aware of why I needed it so much from my dad. So you break the mold. Show that love and affection to your children. Here's the third thing you can do to affirm their value is to express appreciation. Some of you touch might be hard. Maybe this is a little easier. Isaiah 43 and 4, God says, you're precious to me. You are honored and I love you. That's God speaking. When's the last time you said something like that to one of your kids? If you feel like you can't say it, write it down. Write a note of encouragement. It's way easier for me to say it than to write it. You're doing a good job. I appreciate what you're doing. Lauren recently got a promotion, and I just bragged on her. I told her how proud I was of her, and I mean it. Lindsay, I brag on her all the time. I tell her what a great mom she is, what a great wife she is, what a, what a great whatever she is in that moment. Your kids need to hear and, uh, your affirmation and then also express appreciation. You're doing a good job. I appreciate what you're doing. Anytime you appreciate your kids, you're raising their value. As a matter of fact, you know what the word appreciate means when it comes to finances? Now, I sell real estate. You know what it means when you say a house is appreciated? It means it's gone up in value. Did you know when you appreciate someone, they go up in value? They go up in value in their own eyes? That's what appreciation does. It increases value. So think about that. Every time you express appreciation, you are increasing the value in their own eyes of the person you express it to. Amen. Here's a great six-word quote. You might want to write this down. Great People make people feel great. <laughs> great people make people feel great. We shape our kids and everybody around us. We shape them by how we talk to them. So who do you need to encourage today? Which one of your kids 
Dad, do you need to speak life into? Accept their uniqueness. Affirm their value. Number three, is this all right? Number three, trust them with responsibility. The third foundation of fathering is to trust them with responsibility. Nothing brings out the best any faster than having somebody believe in you and trust you in a real way. And if they really trust you, they're going to give you some responsibility. Jesus said this is the way we grow. Look at Luke 16.10. It says, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with great responsibility. Start with the small things and work up to the large things. People respond to responsibility. Did you know what the word responsible means? It means response-able. It means I am able or I am have the ability to respond. I'm responsible. You're able to respond. When you give your kids responsibility, you give them the ability to respond. God says you trust them with little things and then greater things, and then greater things. I found out this throughout my entire life. Now, I told you one area that my dad struggled in. Let me tell you an area where he didn't struggle in. He did not struggle in giving me responsibility. <laughs> now, I mean that in a, really, in a good way. And he affirmed me when I did physical things like that. When I was a little boy, my dad trusted me with little responsibilities, and then I grew, he trusted me with greater ones and greater ones and greater ones. I mowed the grass. I fed the chickens. I fed the hogs. I chopped wood. I kept the wood stove going in the wintertime. I kept the wood box filled. I worked in the garden. I washed cars. I even painted the house. I think I told you that story one day. That happened my entire life. Some of you, hear me, you could change the trajectory of your kid's life by going home and giving them some age-appropriate things to do. Now, I know I might sound a little old school right now. Go buy a lawnmower and stick it in your teenage son's hands and say, cut the grass. Pick up a broom and a vacuum cleaner and show your kid how to, how to vacuum the house. Take that big pile of dirty laundry that they created and say, here's a washing machine. You know how to operate an iPhone. I'm going to show you something that will change your world. And when they don't wash their clothes, guess who's stuck wearing dirty underwear to school? <laughs> I'm just telling you, we are robbing a generation of the response. And guess what you're doing? You're handicapping them for when they get older. Oh, I don't know how to do anything. I can't work a job. They want me to work 40 hours a week. <laughs> Like you deserve an award. <laughs> Teach them to have responsibility. And the only way to learn to accept responsibility, the only way to learn it is to be given it. Given the opportunities to be responsible. And if you don't have nothing for your kids to do, you call us. We'll put them to work here at the church this summer. You think I'm joking? Well, i got all kinds of rocks they can pick up, weeds they can pull, cobwebs they can sweep, amen, walls they can paint. We'll find them something to do. How much you paying? Ah, see, you just missed the whole though. You just missed the whole lesson. We all need in our life to be able to prove ourselves. Can I tell you the first time I was able to swing the axe without breaking the handle? It felt good. My dad knew to put red oak in front of me instead of the hard stuff. He knew to swing that. Give me something where as soon as I hit the top of the wood, it would split in half. Give me a victory. He knew. He showed me how to do it. Greater and greater responsibility. And guess what? Jesus modeled it to us. He picked 12 guys. He, hang out, he hung out with them for three years. He taught them what he felt like he needed to teach them. And then guess what? One day he said, hey, guys, I'm leaving. And guess what? Peace out. I'm leaving it all in your hands. Oh, wait a minute, Jesus. What? I'm out of here. And the success of this thing is on your 12, I mean your 11 shoulders. Because one guy bailed out, Judas. And he said, it's going to sink or it's going to swim based on how you respond. And guess what? Here we are 2,000 years later. They did their job. 
responsibility. As a parent, when your kids are babies, you're responsible for them. But as they grow, you change from responsibility for them to responsibility to them. Now, some of you are afraid to give responsibility because you're afraid they'll fail. Can I just tell you, of course they're going to fail. That's part of the learning process. And here's the lesson you teach when they fail. Failure is a part of life. The rest of us, we fail every day, every week, every month, every year, because none of us are perfect. We all fall short. Failure is a part of life. Teach them now where you can help them handle it. You can help them process it. I need to hurry. I'm running out of time. Proverbs says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. You know what I like about that verse? It says, the righteous man falls. You know what it says? Even the good guys stumble. Even they fall down. Even righteous people make mistakes. They fail, but they get back up. And not only do they fail one, he said, they fall seven times. There's a principle here. Every time you fall, you get back up and you keep trying again. Teach that to your children. Can I just say this before I move on to the next point? If you're overprotecting your kids, that's actually a form of rejection. Overprotective parents are rejecting their kids because they're saying, I don't trust you to fail. You're not competent enough to overcome this. You can't do this on your own. I've got to do it for you. I've got to protect you. What does it do? It creates insecure children. And the most insecure kids are those who have an unbroken string of successes and are never allowed to fail. You know what? You know, that's one thing I like about Little League sports. There's winners and they're losers. We're trying to take that away. Make everybody a winner. If you lose, you need to feel the sting of defeat. You, you need to feel the embarrassment of striking out three times in a game. Because guess what? That's how real life is. We need to learn it while they're young. Number four, got to hurry. I'm almost out of time. We need to correct without condemning. Everybody say correction without condemnation. There's not one of us who doesn't need correction at times. Our kids and us as adults. None of us are perfect. We need to correct without condemning. You know why? God does this for us. The Bible says He corrects those that He loves. And guess what? It's just not always easy. Now, I know there's some so-called experts out there that say you should never discipline your kids. You should just let them go. That's a bunch of hogwash. I, have, I know no better way to say it. Look at what the Bible says about this. If you don't disciple, uh, discipline or correct your kids, look at Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your children while there is hope, otherwise you will ruin their lives. Discipline them while there's still hope that they'll learn the lessons of discipline, or you will ruin their lives. Look what else it says in verse 24 of Proverbs 13. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children, what? They care enough to discipline them. This is totally opposite than the message of the world today. The world is saying if you discipline your kids, you hate them. If you love them, you won't discipline them. No, the Bible says that you hate them if you spare the rod, and you love them if you care enough to discipline them. If you don't correct them, then you're not really loving your kids. Real quickly, let me say a couple things about, about discipline and correction. First of all, never correct when you're angry. Again, I, I messed up a few times as, as a young dad. I, I confess it. But you know what? When you correct when you're angry, you're just really getting even. You're just getting even. You're mad. You're ticked off. You're irritated. Guess who's the big boss around here? I'm going to show you. You know why? Because when you're angry, it feels good to release your anger, right? What's your kid going to do anyway? As an adult, though, we need to take a deep breath and we need to pause when you're angry because you're going to discipline in a way that's not appropriate. Ephesians 6 and 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and an instruction that comes from the Lord. He's our example of discipline and instruction. There's a lot of kinds of anger, by the way. It's not just people who yell and are loud. Some people blow up. Some people clam up. 
Some people uh, express anger in a, in, in a different way. Uh, I did something that was really bad once when I was a teenager, and my dad didn't talk to me for about six weeks. Not a word. That was not healthy. Now, what I did was bad, but I should have been disciplined in a different way. Take a walk around the block, calm down a little bit, step out of the room, let your wife handle it if she's better at it than you are. Because disciplining and anger is just getting even. Second, you need to watch your words. Everybody say, watch your words. You got to realize the importance of your words. Because guess what? Harmful words create harmful memories. In fact, even as I say that, some of you right now can remember something that was said to you 15, 20, 30 years ago. You remember it. Words hurt. They leave scars. Putting down your kids, using harmful words, calling them stupid, telling them that they're dumb. Some of you are going, right, do parents actually do that? Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't tear your kids down. They get enough of that at school. Come on, we're the ones that should be loving them and lifting them up. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Speak the truth in love. Don't lie. Don't pretend that the correction doesn't need to be done, but use good words. And my last point, love them unconditionally. Musicians, praise team, prayer team, I want you to come. Love them unconditionally. Love your kids unconditionally. Two ways we do this. Number one, offer them forgiveness. Offer them forgiveness. We talked about failure. You got to forgive your kids when they fail too. We forgive our children because we've been forgiven by our Heavenly Father. Because the truth is, you're going to be hurt as a parent. If your kids are little, maybe the hurts aren't, are, are small. But tell, I'll just tell you, your teenage kids, your adult children, they're going to hurt you. you got to forgive them, just as we've been forgiven. You're going to need forgiveness in your marriage, but you're also going to need it in, need it in your parenting as well. Then the other way you love unconditionally is you never give up on them. <laughs> Hallelujah. You never give up on them. 1 Corinthians 13 and 7, love never gives up and never loses. Faith is always hopeful and it endures, don't miss this, through every circumstance. Every circumstance. Love never gives up never gives up. Real love never gives up on people no matter what they do. One of the most helpful things you can do, dads, or anybody else for that matter, is help people forgive themselves. We all need others to help us forgive ourselves. And once we've been forgiven by God, we've come and confessed it to God. You know what? Sometimes you still don't feel forgiven. Isn't that the truth? Sometimes you mess up, you still don't feel forgiven. You say, man, but you know what you can be? You can be the voice of God in somebody else's life. We learn to forgive others. A great dad doesn't rub it in, he rubs it out. Amen? He doesn't say, remember that time? Nope. It's rubbed out. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. Great dads walk in when everybody else walks out. And God says, I want you to be forgiving and I want you to never give up. I want you to give your kids another chance because I've given you thousands of chances. I'm just asking you to pass it on. That's what God says. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, the mountains and the hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end. So says the Lord who loves you. Mountains and hills might crumble. You might go through all kinds of moral or physical or emotional or financial earthquakes. But God says there's one thing you can count on. I am never, never, never going to stop loving you. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Prayer team, come on up. Now there is a reason why I picked these five foundations of fathering. Specifically. And here's what it is. You may not realize this, but these five actions of fathering is the same way that God treats you and I. Same exact way. 
Your heavenly Father accepts your uniqueness. He affirms your value. Jesus on the cross says, this much, that's how much you're worth. That's how valuable you are to me. I died for you. God says, I trust you with responsibility. He corrects you without condemning you. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. And you know what else he does? He loves you unconditionally. God just wants you to do with other people like he does with you. God just wants you to do with your children what he does with you. How do you become a great parent? This is our altar call, so I'm just going to tell you how you become a great parent. You become a godly person. You become a godly person. And can I just offer some hope to some of you? You might have screwed it up royally up to this point. It's never too late to turn things around. It's never too late. Some of you might need to go home and make, I'm talking about the fathers now. You might need to make a call to your kids today and say, you know what, I'm really sorry, but I blew it when you were 13. I really messed up when you were 9. I'm sorry I walked out on you. If I knew then what I knew now, man up to it, own up to it, and make a fresh start. Amen? Just make a fresh start. God has forgiven me. I'm asking you to forgive me. And they may not be able to, but that's all right. It might take them some time. But your responsibility is to seek forgiveness. I don't know who that's for, but I felt like I needed to share that with somebody here today. Make it right to the best of your ability. And then let God work on their heart and on their lives. Dads, become a godly man. Become a dad that's sold out to God. When you do that, you create a place of refuge and security in your home. Reverence for God is what gives a man a deep strength that you're never going to get any other way. And how do you do that? First, you've got to open up your life to Jesus in a brand new way. If you're not a believer, it starts today. It starts today by repenting of your sins and asking God to come into your life. Asking Christ to change your heart. Asking Him to inhabit your life. It starts today. But if you're already a believer, maybe you just need to say, God, I need you to help me. Help me to be a better man first. So then I can be a better husband, a better father, a better son. I want to be a good dad. I want you to change me. And let me say a word to those of you who are kids. We're all kids, but you know what I'm talking about. Your parents are not perfect if you're still living under their authority. Here's a newsflash. There's never been a perfect parent. There never will be a perfect parent. And one day you're not going to be a perfect parent either. Well, when I get older, I'm going to, well, maybe you will. I hope it all turns out great. But they are God's plan for you. God, hear me, God chose them. God knew that your mom and your dad, whether they were good or bad or indifferent, even they might have abandoned you, but hear me, God knew that they were the right people that had just the right genes to create just the right DNA that created you. Don't miss what I'm saying. They might have been, they might have been lousy parents, but guess what? Those were the two people that God brought together to create the perfect you. So you weren't a mistake. And them coming together to make you wasn't a mistake. God created you to be you. And they're the tools that God is using to bring you into this life. And we can at least be grateful for that. Can you say amen? amen. So maybe today you need to reconsider your attitude towards your dad on this Father's Day. No perfect dads. Maybe he just needs to be forgiven. Because I can assure you, there's a lot of bad dads out there, and almost every single one of them regrets the decisions that they've made. They may not express it, but they live in it every day. So, I'm going to open this altar, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask every man who is a father, 
I don't care if you're a good father, bad father, new father, old father, grandfather. Doesn't matter. I'm going to ask you to step out and come to this altar, and I'm going to pray for you. I want you to step out right now if you'll join us. And come on up all the way to the front. We're going to press in. I see a dad bringing his baby girl. pray. We're going to pray for the men that are in this house. Guys, (laughs) oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't care how old you are, you can become a better dad. And if, if you can't get things right with your kids, maybe that window's closed, I don't know, you can become a dad to somebody who needs a dad figure in their life. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of hurting kids that need a father figure in their life. They need a mentor. They need someone to love them and to embrace them and to care for them. And I'm going to ask every mom, wife, child that's out in the back, uh, I want you to extend your hand forward. Would you do that? We want to pray. Because I'm going to tell you, it's tough being a man in 2019. It's tough being a godly man. But guess what, guys? Greater is he that is in you and in me than he that is in the world. So I want us to lift our hands and let's pray. Father, right now, these are great men standing in front of me. <laughs> God, we don't, we don't pretend to have all the answers. Lord, I'll even go as far as to say sometimes I feel helpless. These men are working hard to put food on the table. They're working hard to keep a roof over their children's heads. Sometimes being a dad is a pretty thankless job, but God, these men are here today because they want to be godly men. We want to be godly men. We want to be godly husbands. We want to be examples. And so, God, I ask you right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, I want you to strengthen these men. I want you to baptize them with the mind of Christ. Help us to be willing to walk away from sin. Help us to be willing to repent when we need to. Help us to be willing to ask for forgiveness when we have to. Help us, God, to become the men that you've called us and equipped us to be. God, I know that we can make a difference in our world, and it starts at home. I pray that you give these men the courage for some of them to go home and make things right with their kids. And I pray that you would give them the wisdom to raise their children or to be an influence. Maybe it's to their grandchildren, or maybe it's to their nephews or their nieces, or maybe it's to some kids in this church or a kid in their neighborhood. God, you show us what you want us to do. Show us what you want us to do. Help us to be men of God. And as the praise team begins to sing, man, let's just cry out to God. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it as an act of worship.